Welcome to Moving Iron Podcast, Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Will, your premier ag tire and will provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom delivering insights and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of balmy Boca Raton, Florida. Don't let him fool you, folks. It's not that cold yet. and But things are going well down there. Sean, how you been? I'm doing great, Mr. Case. Enjoying this cool weather for us. Cold front country. <laughs> Look out. Oh, yeah. It was just a big cold front. We got a good, good whole eight degrees down from 99 to 92. It was really great. Really wonderful. Man, wonderful. Goodness. Oh. I don't know how you guys would handle it down there like that. This is crazy. Uh, yeah, they, I tell you, the, the, uh, the winter clothes are selling like hockey. I bet. Down park here right is everywhere, now. right? So. Snow shovels, everything. We're, we're buying everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, some, some crazy things have happened here. We've got. Uh, Big reversal in the market, which you've talked about uh, yeah. for quite a while here on this podcast. Um, you've talked about this this corn market happening and it's starting to come together, kind of where you talked about. December corn almost hit four bucks yesterday, but it settled down there around the three ninety two, ninety four, something like that uh, range, which is a, a big jump up from where it was pre COVID. So we've gained back about what ninety two cents worth of worth of value there in corn. So that, that's a that's a big move. But let's talk about Hurricane Delta for a minute and kind of some of the repercussions you've seen from it as it moves through the uh, through the, the south during a pretty big part of uh, cotton cotton season. It was it was a very it, you know it was it hurt the cotton crop quite a bit. You know we never know for sure until it dries out and we get a closer look. But it, it happened at a really bad time. Yep. And um, so you know we're just chipping more off. Um, t- I, I will say though that typically a Late hurricane, uh, just before harvest, tends to place a top in the cotton market oftentimes because it's the final cathartic rally that you get before the market prices everything in. So, you know, we still think we're looking at a high or, or at least a near-term top here, but, but damage was done. You know, damage was done. Um, a, a lot of quality problems took place, and it just, it just means that this market will, you know, it, it can correct for a little while, but it's it's going to still catch a pretty good bid. The market's going to need to bid up for acres um, next year, and uh, uh, and make sure that even if next year's weather is poor, as you know, we're not looking for a great weather year next year in the U.S. Yeah. You know yeah. that they still can produce enough cotton. So, so I, I guess what I'm getting at is that you know, I still think there's a correction coming, and I still think ca- uh, producers need to be making some cash sales here. But but these series of storms, especially this last one, probably limits the downside. Um, a little more than it had had it not happened, and so it's it should it should keep this market fairly shallow in its corrections instead of anything more severe. At least that's the way it looks to us right now. So, okay, all right. So let's, let's jump over and talk about what we see happening in corn right now. So corn has corn and soybeans both have made some pretty big rallies here here in the last uh, two three weeks, especially soybeans. Soybeans have had an incredible incredible run up on Tuesday. Right Tuesday, there was a big correction in the market. Everything was down pretty significant, but it bounced right back the next day. So, especially overnight, it was up almost eight and a half cents overnight. So, talk about that a little bit and what you see happening there. Well, <clears throat> sometimes bottoms are just one point and the top, and the top is over. 
But most of the time, it's a process. You make a high, you correct. You retest the high, you correct. You retest, you, know, you, you kind of develop a distribution pattern, and then you go down. So it looks to me like we are making uh, you know, that distribution top in, in soybeans. So you know, we, we, we're still below where you know, that was at 1070, we're almost at, and, and now, we're, now we're correcting again. So it looks to us that the market's starting to buckle here. Um, and give us this correction into harvest and give us this correction into some, you know, we're getting some rains down in South America, which of course we always do. I mean, it's the rainy season starts in mid October and you're always going to get some rains at some point. It looks like some rains are coming in. And, and then, then, then we have this, we talked about this, I think last week, this uh, governmental paralysis we think is setting in uh, meaning like they're not going to get the stimulus bill passed or agreed to before the elections. And then with the elections likely going to go from bad to worse in terms of discourse between the two parties, I think there's going to be even less cooperation post-election. And then who knows when we're actually going to have a decision on, actual, on who won and, 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 and who gets to be the president. And so all this says to me that we're going to be in an, in an extended period of, of, of governmental paralysis. And then the Federal Reserve takes its cues from what the fiscal policy of the government is. And if it doesn't know what the policy is, because we can't figure out who the president is, I think we're just setting up for some kind of a liquidity crunch here. You know, a kind of a, in the markets, are, like the dollar is starting to rally. We're starting to see gold and silver correct some here. You know, we're, we're starting to see some signs. The bond market's starting to surge. These are all signs of liquidity getting tighter, um, you know, at a time that, uh, the U.S. economy is still on pins and needles right now, Casey. So I think this is that this overall liquidity issue is going to put pressure at a time that grain markets are vulnerable to the downside. Uh, of course, as we talked about, a very dry fall. We've talked about this all the way, you know, beginning of the year that we'd have a dry harvest this year. Harvest is rocking and rolling. We're going to be done in another, another week or two. It's going to all pretty much be done, you know, pretty much be done. Right on. Okay, so let's talk about this. You had a uh, you put a report out on Tuesday, the thirteenth, uh, with some various information in there. And one of the things that kind of struck out to me is you're starting to see some some sell signals pop up in several things. Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know our smart money algorithm, uh, Casey, which is one of our tools that we utilize to get a barometer of what the smartest people are doing in each market and in aggregate really saw some aggressive selling in grain markets this past week, like a, a real a, a aggressive accelerating sell into that into those highs from last week. Um, we have a sell signal in soybeans. We're almost in a sell signal in uh, corn, and we're almost in a sell signal in uh, in wheat. So, so um, and, and we also have what we call a, a smart money algorithm for the entire grains complex, and that's also almost in a sell signal. But the point is. You know, smart money's had weeks to change their mind and look at Chinese buying and look at the weather and look at everything and change their mind and maybe uh, stop selling. And they, but but they continue to sell. In fact, they've accelerated that selling. Whenever we've seen that pattern in the past, it continues to be a warning sign that a correction is coming. They see it coming, and who knows why? Maybe the Chinese will cancel some orders out of nowhere uh, and saying that we 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 booked too much. We don't need it all. Maybe it's going to be. Uh, you know, a chaos during the elections. Maybe it's going to be, um, you know, a strong dollar that we're, you know, that, that's starting to surge and bring some liquidation to the market. You know, or, or it's something we don't know. I, it could be a whole host of these things, but 
We'd really, really be cautious right now over the next 30 to 60 days. We just don't think this is a time that, you know, one should be um, too aggressive on thinking prices are going to go higher. We would be cash selling grain that you need to sell, cash selling grain that you can't store. You know, if we were in the livestock business, we'd hold off buying new cash uh, feed right, right now. We just think this is a time to be protecting to the downside in these markets right now, Casey. Yeah. So. Okay. So let's talk about this for a minute. So the, the dry spell that we're seeing is uh, kind of, it's, it's every, you know, we're seeing a widespread uh, dryness. South America seeing it. Uh, we're seeing the Black Sea region. We've talked about that several times. Uh, report you put out back at the first of the month here on the 5th, right around the 5th or so, you're talking yep. about <clears throat> winter wheat and um, wheat and rice, basically. So they kind of ebb and flow, you know, when there's, a lack of lack of rice there's a big run up on wheat and if there's a lack of wheat there's a big run up on rice so you have these two these two dynamically different uh crops that but they they really correlate with each other quite well um with all the stuff that we see happening right now uh in in some key rice growing areas uh, of asia uh, especially china and india and those in those areas uh where we've had some locust issues we've had obviously record amount of rain and those kind of things um, the U.S. wheat market, um, again, there's some struggles there, planting back into some dry areas and those kind of things. Um, wh where do you, wh what's your, what's your feel right now? Do you feel like the, that what the reports that we're getting about rice production is, is off a little bit and that's going to kind of rally back towards the wheat side? Or do you feel like there's going to be a little bit of lack of both and, and there's going to be struggles on both sides of that, of that coin? Well, I think so long as we're in a corrective mode in grains and a corrective mode in commodities overall, probably, you know, we'll see those markets soften some. Um, uh, I wouldn't say soften a lot, but soften some. But I think the real uh, issue here is that we're setting the stage for a significant rice wheat shortage in 21. Remember, all the dryness in winter wheat is not about today's supply. It's about the supply that will be available in the late spring and the summer of next year. And that sets up an extremely tight situation for winter wheat and, and other wheat supplies during that time frame. So what's happening now, and one of the reasons that we've been catching such a big bid here, and there's reports all over the place about hoarding, you know, about mm -hmm. the Middle East hoarding wheat, uh, Egypt hoarding wheat, the Chinese farmers themselves hoarding wheat because they can see what's going on. They can start to sense that you know, that there's going to be a potentially a shortage coming up and they're being less willing, even though we have plenty of supply today, those sellers are less willing to sell than they were a year ago. And that's caused some of this rally in wheat. But, but I would caution, you know, that, that, that can go on for a little while, but, you know, they're going to get to a certain level. They're going to buy what they need to buy. They're going to stockpile what they need to stockpile. And then they're going to say, okay, for now, we feel good. So think of your, your household. A hurricane's coming. Well, we better go to the store. We better get some food. You go and you buy a whole bunch of stuff. You get, bring two carts of food home and you go, okay, we're set. We're good now. We, don't, we can hold off for a little while. We don't need to buy food for a while. I think we're probably approaching a point where some of the stockpiling demand is going to ebb for a little while. And we, and we, and we could see these uh, two important markets maybe uh, flatten out or, and, and give back some, some, some of these price gains just for a little while. That's what it looks like to me. Yep. Yeah, there's, a, there, there's some... Just there's so much volatility in the marketplace across the board. I mean, just it's all over the place. It's the huge swings. You're starting. You see a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of deep V's and big W's that are that are getting formed on these on these charts as you take a look at them. 
All right, Sean. And, 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 and what that actually means, Casey, mm-hmm. uh, that w- because we're in this volatile environment, uh, you, know, you as a producer, you as a livestock uh, producer, or you as a you know, corn producer, you really have to understand that we are going to stay in this volatile environment for the foreseeable future. I don't see the weather becoming less volatile. I think the weather's going to become more volatile. Right. I don't see the monetary craziness going on getting less crazy. I see it getting more crazy. I don't see politics getting you know, less chaotic. I see it getting more chaotic. So what that means is you, you're going to have to be uh, hedging these big rises you know, uh, when they happen, if you're a producer and buying these big declines as a livestock producer, um, and that's a good thing. It means you're, you're going to have lots of opportunities to do smart things in this environment, but you have to keep your emotions at bay. You can't get too bullish. Like now, everyone's trying to get, everyone, everyone, even, even, you know, the media's so bullish now, and I get it, but yeah, keep yourself calm. We're not quite at the, the main show yet. That's coming, but use those periods of optimism and keep your powder dry. Keep your your ammunition dry when the when the when the fear comes back. And it's believe me, we're not done trading fear. There's gonna right. there's gonna be a lot of fear coming going forward. And and so this this I prefer this environment. This is better for producers so long as they don't get caught up in it and make sure they sell when it's a good time to sell and they buy when it's a good time to buy, depending on what side of the market they are on. Yeah, yep. All right. So let's talk about this real quick. So we've got we've got some livestock. Um, Markets that have been kind of bouncing around a little bit here and there. We've seen some, you know, the hog markets have done real well. They've rebounded nicely, but they've also had some some, uh, some corrections in, in along the way here in the last couple of weeks. So talk about what you see happening in the cattle and the hog markets. I think right now <clears throat> we, we, you know, uh, we've, we've taken care of the packing house issue, but when you look at the, hog, the, uh, the pigs report and you look at the cattle on feed report, we're going to have plenty of animals here in the fourth quarter. Uh, we're not going to have an animal problem. So, so it's going to be a demand thing. You know, and, 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 and at least for cattle, we know demand, domestic demand is really what matters, at least this time of the year. Really, yeah, exports are good, and that's, that's helpful, but you've got you to gotta have strong domestic demand. Without passing a stimulus bill, one can argue we should or shouldn't, or, but without passing a stimulus bill and with the precariousness of our economy the way that it is, um, and even some of the talk about potential lockdowns again in certain states. I'm really worried about beef demand. I really, it's a high price point. Families are still nervous. Even if you kept your job, you're still not feeling comfortable. You won't lose it. You know, right. I just don't think demand for beef is going to be there to support the, the cattle market when, we're, when we know we're going to have a pretty healthy amount of animals looking to come to the marketplace here in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying I'm a, you know, a, a massive uh, a massively bearish this market, but I do think you know we're going to be easing back here. I think I think prices are going to be on some under some pressure for a little while until we can clear out this fourth quarter. I think somewhat oversupply based upon the demand that I see coming. Hogs are a little different because exports are far more important. They've been unbelievable, uh, and they've been unbelievable all year. The packing house issue we've we've kind of addressed. It's a lower price point meat, so you know there's not as much sticker shock to pork as there is for, for beef. So I think the, uh, the, the pork market, the, cat, the, the pig market, the hog market can hang in there a little bit better. But at the same time, think about it. We've moved from 50 cents, Casey, to almost 70 on the December contract. You know, it's kind of, you know, we had a 65 cent target for a while when we were, you know, when you know how we were pretty friendly in this market when it was in the low 50s. And 
I just think it's kind of made the move we were expecting it to see. And with a plenty of pigs coming to the market, once again, I just think this is a place that producers should be cash selling some hogs. This is a good price. This price works for hog producers. They, you know, they're going to, they're going to stay in business selling at this price level. And, and all it would, and remember, you know, once the Chinese are done buying their, their pork for the holiday season, which is only for another, maybe they buy for another 30 days or 45 days and they back away, there could be an air pocket for on export demand for a little while. So once again, we just think this 70 cent area on the December contract is an awfully good place for, to make some cash sales as a hog producer. We just don't see the, the ability for the market to go a whole lot higher, you know, unless, um, you know, unless the Chinese just keep blowing right through and, and, and continue to buy demand into their holiday season. Maybe they will, but I don't think that's a good bet, uh, a good bet to make right now. And our smart money algorithm for the lean hog market after being very, very bullish in the summer is been, they've been selling like crazy and we are just within a whisker of, of trading of uh, triggering a sell signal. So I have to be a bear in that market right now. And, 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 would think this is a good opportunity for producers to get something to do some good business when they hadn't didn't have a lot of good business to do for the spring and summer. You know. Yep. So. Okay, so let's talk about uh, sugar beet harvest. Full swing right now. There's five key sugar beet growing areas in in uh, the United States and Canada, <coughs> and there's a, a fair amount of activity going on right now. Last year we had a pretty big issue with an early freeze that pretty much zapped every sugar beet growing area. We had also had some struggles with sugar cane uh, around the world in India, South America. I mean, there's plenty of places there where we've seen some pretty big issues with sugar cane itself. As you take a look at the sugar market now compared to what you saw last year, what are your thoughts and, and do you feel like there is a, a good opportunity for sugar beet growers and sugar market in general to, uh, to make a decent run here towards the end of harvest? Well, if you remember, we had a good run up in sugar before the virus hit. Right. And we got into the 15 cent range and then crash and burn to 10, you know, like everything else during the spring. And then, um, and then of course it started to rally like everything. Mm -hmm. And now you know, we're in that 14 cent range. So it's had a pretty good rally. I mean, up almost 40% from the lows. So, so sugar prices have made a nice move. And obviously for sugar beet producers, sugar is in a much better place today than it was uh, six or nine months ago. But without crude oil, you know, crude oil has been stuck at this $40 barrel area and it just can't seem to get out of its own way here. There's a limitation to how much sugar can run up without getting increased ethanol demand, especially out of um, uh, Brazil. And so, you know, I think we, we needed to go higher. I think we, we had some shortages. We had some reasons that the market needed to go higher. And I think it's done that, but very hard for us to see this market taking out this 14, 15 cent area without the crude oil market making a move to 50 or $60 and getting the ethanol switch over in Brazil, which means instead of making refined sugar, they take the sugar cane and make ethanol out of it, reducing the available sugar supply. Unless that happens, I think, I think there's going to be enough supply to keep this market from going much higher. So, so yeah, I do think there's an opportunity to sell as a sugar beet producer, you know, it, it, given that we've had this big rise in price. Um, and that's good. But I, but I think the upside's limited right now, and I'm not really believing the crude oil market can go much higher until after we get through this election chaos, some of this liquidity crunch that we're talking about, this government paralysis, because you know crude oil is extremely sensitive to the perception of the economy and extremely sensitive to the stock market, which is, once again, you're starting to you know, look weak again, starting to, you know, starting to show more... Uh, reasons it wants to go down and the dollar rallying. So this, the, the, the 
So the answer to your question is, um, we think this is a good place for sugar beet producers to lock in some prices right now. We think this is a good place. Usually you don't get an opportunity at Harvest to do it. Usually right. we're, at, we're, we're at the low point now, but the, we're exactly opposite. That's a good thing. Right. That's a good thing. So. Yeah. It's like that in everything. Everything's like that right now. Corn, Everything, everything's, everything's been counter-seasonal yeah, this year. Absolutely. Lows yeah. in the spring, we normally are higher, and mm. the highs in the fall, we're normally lower. It's been comp- The virus kind of screwed everything up this year, and yep. the weather did as well. Yep, absolutely. Well. Absolutely. All right, Sean, good stuff as usual. If folks want to reach out to you and get some information about uh, what it is you're doing there at Hackett Financial, as well as uh, some sample reports, where's the best place to do that? Uh, our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com as you know there's lots of interviews with you and others um that we've done and and we just did a an hour and 10 uh interview yesterday with cute question and answer with real vision on uh on our uh, thoughts for uh this grand solar cycle and especially the next couple of years and so uh i think we're going to get that on our webpage here within the next few days and that would be, might be something that really uh you know, if someone's really interested in that topic, which I know many of your listeners are, that might be a good fresh look to take to take a look at that. It was a, a pretty good interview with a lot of questions and answers and went over a lot of things, but it kind of will help clarify, you know, kind of where we're at and where we're going. And, and of course, at your meeting here in, in January, we'll really get into it. So, Right. I'm looking forward to that. So, Sean, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find all the latest episodes of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as any blogs that I post as well. Um, also, check out movingironllc.com for, as Sean mentioned there, the Moving Iron Summit that's coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, January 20th through the 22nd. Um, Sean will be there. He does a great job, and, and uh, he's going to give a lot of good information to folks about the uh, Grand Solar Cycle. So if you're a dealer of any kind of North America or the world, for that matter, and you want to check this thing out, make sure you hit me up at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com, or you can just go to movingironllc.com and go through the links, and there is a link there that can get you to me, and I will get you all the information about it. Also, check out the Global Ag Network and the great podcasters there. Check out the uh, Dryland Farmer podcast with Brent and Landon over there. You guys are funny and make you laugh and uh, give you something to look, think about when you're riding around that combine uh, during harvest time this year. So with that, I am Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Let's go check out. Let's go do some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard